This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Monday, July the 8th. I'm your host, D.A., and the U.S. Women's World Cup team takes home the trophy. Yesterday, a 2-0 win over the Netherlands gives the U.S. its second straight Women's World Cup and its fourth overall, a true super powerhouse superpower in global soccer. But this was not a team that was all nice and fuzzy and everybody in the U.S. was pulling for them because of some political differences, being outspoken on some social issues, a battle between their captain and the president. Not everybody was all in on the U.S. women's national team. But should people have set aside their differences politically for this team when it mattered on Sunday afternoon when they took the pitch? Here is the Fan Morning Show on Pittsburgh's 93.7 The Fan. It felt like, for me, okay, people couldn't, people couldn't separate the polarizing nature politically with that team and just the sport. Which is a shame. It, like, you cannot like, the, there was only one thing they did I didn't like. And it was in the post-game celebration, they dropped the flag on the ground. I thought that they needed to have a better sense of what, because, How to comport yourself with the American flag. Because everything's going to be under a microscope, especially given the political nature of this. They dropped the flag on the ground and started to dance around. It's just like, if you're representing the national team, you should probably know at least the protocols of when you have the flag in your yes. hand, not to cast it aside and, and, and... Don't let it hit the ground. Right. And dance. That was the only thing they've done. They want to speak. They want. But I thought that once the game started, once it was all zeros, and then it started to count up, and you get the 45 minutes, then you get the 90 minutes, that... I just felt as if everybody in this country should have rooted for them during the game. Absolutely. And we can put aside political differences. You cannot like them. You cannot like them personally. You cannot like their stances. You cannot like them politicizing things. But I felt like it should have been absolute consensus that every person roots for them during the game. If you can't set aside your political views when you're watching a sporting event, even if you know what the political views of those athletes are, then you're kind of missing the point of sports in the first place, which is it's supposed to be an escape. And even if those athletes have political views that run completely opposite of what you believe, you should be able, especially with a national team, to say, you know what, they represent our country, and whether we're on one side of this or on the other side of this, we all come together when somebody is playing under the the name of the U.S., and so, yeah, I right, agree. And the with argument you. will be they made it political. I get that. I understand it. That was the biggest stage that they had. It's the biggest 
It's the biggest megaphone that they'll ever have in their life. But that, and also, we always say this. We, we want athletes to answer honestly when they're asked questions, right? Right. And they were asked if they were going to go to the White House. And they said, no. Right. Yeah, or at least one person did. So you're allowed to have that belief and still represent your country, just like you could have the complete opposite belief. I think people didn't like them from the beginning or something because they rubbed their face. They rubbed other people's nose in a big win. At the very beginning, people were looking for, well, first of all, like it's women's sports and people didn't want to give them right. the just do. So that was number one. Number two, whenever they won early games and just blasted people and, and celebrated every goal, it was people were looking for a reason to not like this team for some reason. Americans were. Some Americans were. And I and, and, and they kind of gave people any sort of ammunition they were looking for. Then they politicized it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and and again, you're right, simply answering questions. Like, they didn't really go on the offensive. They answered questions. And that's what it went full board. But then just turn your, turn your back to it. Like, just don't take – but for people to actively root against this team was strange to me. Yeah, and it, it was – yeah, that's odd to, that you would ever root against your own country. I just I didn't get it, Jim. What was your take on this team? No, they're really good at soccer. How about that? You know, I mean, that's I I watched it for that reason, and I you know, the stuff with the flag. I didn't see that because I you know I had other stuff to do, and so when the game was over, I went out about I went about my business basically. Right. Um. But you know, everything these days is 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 politicized. Um, but they're Americans, for goodness sakes, and it beats having a, I mean having a team that that is able to beat everybody else in the world. Uh, it beats having a team that goes out and loses to Mexico. Yeah, like the men is, did last night. Yeah, so that's that, that's my that's my take on it. Yeah, uh, again, that was the only thing I didn't like was dropping the flag on the ground, and it was kind of like I mean they were just oblivious to what the protocols were. Yeah. Just hand it to someone else, or you know they just dropped it on the ground and started yeah. dancing. That was it. That was all from everything else they said all week. Every way they comported them, I'm totally fine with. Totally fine with it. I don't necessarily agree with all their views. I was totally fine with it. Is it right to do it? And they want to say yes. It's interesting that amongst all of the controversy surrounding this team and them being politicized and friction between them and the White House, ultimately what was lost was what an unbelievable achievement this was. To win back-to-back World Cups is iconic, is epic. And to have four all told in less than 30 years of the Women's World Cup being in existence is incredible. And more than that, it goes to show you that American soccer can be a global powerhouse if we push our athletes to it and give them the proper resources, focus, and attention. You know, we have a lot of other sports siphon off our best male athletes, and so what we get for the U.S. men's national team is not the very best athletes in the country, but the women show us what we are capable of as a soccer nation. And sure, the flip side is that women's soccer was fledgling when we began playing at the very highest level 30 years ago, but it goes to show you that with our ability and our talent and our population and resources, soccer in America can be incredible. And perhaps one day we'll see this type of success, at least close to it. It gives us a chance to dream with the men. NBA free agency. Finally, it's all over. The dust settles and Kawhi Leonard is going to the Los Angeles Clippers alongside Paul George. A huge deal. The Clippers pull off, pulling 
PG-13 away from the Oklahoma City Thunder, which means Russell Westbrook is once again left holding the bag in OKC. Harden left. KD left. Ibaka left. And now Paul George left. What does it mean? Here's Joe Lowe and Dibs at 95.7, the game in San Francisco. Paul George and Russell Westbrook and Steven Adams, what does that get you in the West? It gets you nowhere. It gets you a five or six seed. And as you like to say, the famous Michael Jackson lyric, stuck in the middle of, and that's where OKC God, finds itself. Definitely. Too high to get over, <laughs> too, too low, low to get, get under. under. You're it. stuck in the middle. Love it. And, and your game is thunder, as it turns out, Oklahoma <laughs> City. As we bring it all the way back around for you, Ryan, and welcome in 604. But the problem with OKC is they had to make a dramatic move. This is the first one. Now we'll see what they can get for Russell Westbrook because he wants out of town yesterday. Yeah. Russ is. This is the second time he got left at the altar. Second time. Can you believe it? Can't. KD left him at the altar. Left him. And left him. He's gone. Paul George signs a multi-year deal and said, bye-bye. Bye-bye, Deuces. Russ. And he said, deuces. And he said, you know what? I'll marry you, but let me get half. <laughs> and now I'm gone. Let me, <laughs> wow. let, me, let me get half. Let me get the big money. And I, and I got it wrapped up. And now he's gone. And what does that say? Is that an indictment on, on Westbrook? What does that say about a, a two-year removed MVP, a triple-double machine, what does that say about his stay and who he is in the NBA? Yeah, I think it speaks to a guy that players don't really want to play alongside as like the the co-star uh, in his lead play. I mean, Russell's a hell of a player. He's dynamic on the floor, but I don't and, – and even for a guy with an assist total as high as Russell Westbrook, I don't necessarily see him making guys around him better. Like – I just never felt like that Thunder team was going to take the next step. And you give him credit for reshuffling the deck on out uh, Sam Presti and acquiring Paul George a couple years ago. I was surprised as hell that he stayed there, by the way. I thought, oh, he's going to the Lakers. That's a one-year rental for sure. He's out. It shocked me that he stayed, gave it a year. Uh, but I think Paul George playing alongside Russell Westbrook probably realized as well, if I ever want to win an NBA title, it's not going to be playing with this dude. And, I mean, Kevin Durant felt the same way. So Russell Westbrook, I mean, come on, fellas, doesn't he just strike you as one of the more – unlikable cats he, you know he, he kind of relishes the villain role a bit for me but he just seems kind of hard-headed and that he'd be a tough guy to just roll into work with every day a little bit of a selfish ball player you know you see dame lillard who's also ball dominant but he's more willing to get his teammates right. involved right. the guy like cj mccallum right. can still shine two sons can shine mm. in the portland galaxy but when Amen. you're in okc Hallelujah. when you're in okc it's just not as easy Bye. when you've got a situation where you have Russell Westbrook so bright and so dominant. Even Paul George probably couldn't handle it there, and ultimately the Clippers is where he wanted to well, be. Well, Daniel, what does that say? Does that change uh, somewhat your perception, or does it change the reality of, of, of a guy by the name of KD, Kevin Durant? When, when you think now, did Paul George at least kind of take some of the coals off the fire, if, if you say, because of the fact you saw that transition now that Paul George leaves, you see KD leaves. You, you, last week there was – the rumors that uh, KD said, I'm signing with you and told Westbrook that and he's gone. But does that does that take some of the shine off of a guy like KD? Because now he left and now you have another superstar who just left as well. I don't think there's any shine taken off. And part of it's because KD's out for a year. And I, it would be a little bit more painful and more visceral if he was going to be a Brooklyn Net this year. Although the announcement comes out, he will wear number seven eventually when he goes out there for Brooklyn. But if he was going to be on the floor immediately, it would be a little bit more painful. I think the move that's going to be a little bit more close to home is the Andre Iguodala move because he's going to be in purple and gold. You're going to see him four times a year repping the Lakers, a.k.a. Warriors South, with JaVale McGee, Quinn Cook, who signed with the Lakers, 
as well. Demarcus Cousins, boogie, yep. if I'm not mistaken, yes, and Iguodala. So that's going to be a weird one it's, when the purple and gold come to the Chase the Center. Yes. Look, I don't think it's arguable anymore that it shows people don't necessarily love playing with Russell Westbrook. That Russ perhaps is an incredible individual player that puts up monster numbers and should be applauded for it. He plays with an intensity that few others play with. But as a teammate goes, obviously he's not enough to keep people in Oklahoma City. And if there was friction again, this time with Paul George, it's pretty obvious that Russ has just had this long lineage of guys that had problems playing with him. And now Paul George, the latest in that line. And that leaves Oklahoma City in a terrible spot. Do you rip it down and try to trade away Russ? Maybe. But where do you trade him with that huge contract still on the books? Here's Pelicans analyst Antonio Daniels, who joined the Sports Junkies on 106.7 The Fan in Washington, D.C. Give us your take on Kawhi's decision and then uh, acquiring Paul George for about 100 first-round draft picks. Well, first, the Paul George situation, that, that caught me by – I think we were all blindsided by that. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were all blindsided. And and what I like about Kawhi's decision, even though he caught flat for it, was he actually took his time. Because it's a big decision. That's a huge decision. Where am I going to spend the next four years of my basketball career? That's a big decision. And what made it seem like such a long time, because remember, free agency only opened on the first. So it's not that long ago. But because most of the the big-time free agents were off the market prior to free agency even opening, the um, Clay Thompson's and Kevin Durant's and Kimball Walker's and Kyrie Irving, those guys were off, off the, off, off the, the grid to start. Yeah. Right, off the market to start. So all you have left really was Kawhi. So it seems like he took a long time, and I appreciate the patience. I appreciate the patience of him doing what he felt like was in his best interest. Um, what I like about his decision, I never saw him going to the Lakers. I never, for me, Kawhi is cut from a different cloth. You know, you look at him leaving the amount of money on the table to leave San Antonio and then leaving another $50 million on the table to leave Toronto and join the Clippers. You, you can line 100 guys up on the street and say, look, in my left hand, I have a New Balance shoe, and in my right hand, I have a brand Jordan shoe. 100 guys are going to take the brand Jordan shoe. Kawhi Leonard left brand Jordan to go with New Balance. So he's cut from a different cloth. Mm-hmm. He has cut from a completely different cloth. So – I never saw him going to the Los Angeles Lakers. That's something I just couldn't, I couldn't fathom. Now, with him going to the Clippers and them getting Paul George as well, what I like about it, now you kind of go back to the 90s, where there's no more four and five stars on the team. Now it's two stars. You got Kevin Durant. You got Kyrie Irving. You know, you got Chris Paul and James Harden. You know, you have these two and with the Lakers and those two with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of reminds you of the Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, uh, Larry Bird, um, Kevin McHale, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen type days. So it's kind of a throwback. And now there's a little more parody. Oh, yeah. There's a lot more. I mean, you could just. Right. I mean, I, we were talking about it earlier. I mean, there's six or maybe not seven, but certainly five or six teams in the West right now that if you told me they were going to win the ring, I'd say. Okay, I can believe it. I mean, there's some really right. good depth in the West right now. Right, and, and the villain is gone. The, the villain team is gone. You know, you look at the, the Golden State Warriors, 
for the past five or six years, they were the villain team. Well, I won't say for the past five years, really for the last three years, they were the villain team once Kevin Durant joined them. And if Kawhi Leonard would have joined the Lakers, then the Lakers would have become the villain team. And I'm all for the NBA having a villain. I'm all for having that that team that all 29 other teams are trying to put something together to dethrone that one team. But now the NBA's moved in a different direction, and I enjoy it. I like it. I'm with you. There are probably five, six, seven teams that if you say, you know what, come next June, this team is going to be hoisting up the Larry O'Brien trophy. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I can see that happening. That's a good feeling. The Clippers were stealth. They really were. I mean, throughout this entire thing, they were not the ones that would have even a peep come out of their walls. And if Kawhi Leonard spoke to them, we had no idea about it. We knew everything that Kawhi and his uncle said to the Lakers. We had no idea what it sounded like when he spoke to the Clippers. And you got to give them a lot of credit, stability, an owner that wants to win, an owner that's respected around the NBA, but also bringing in Jerry West, a young plucky team that made the playoffs last year. Look at the two coasts. In New York, the Knicks struck out, but the Nets won by building a culture. In the West, the Lakers struck out on Kawhi. Of course, they brought in AD, but struck out on Kawhi Leonard. Pretty amazing. On the other coast, the Lakers swung and missed on Kawhi, even though they brought in AD. And the Clippers built a culture and were able to swing in the NBA Finals MVP. Now, the Rockets were dancing with Jimmy Butler, but it looks like the time has come and gone Now, could the Rockets go and try to trade for Russell Westbrook? They might try it, apparently, from reports, but how that's going to work, they can't move Chris Paul's contract. Did the Rockets, however, not signing Jimmy Butler, actually end up dodging a bullet? Here's Sports Radio 610 and Mad Radio in Houston. Never liked the idea of Jimmy Butler on the Rockets for one, the uh, the basketball reasons. I felt like trading Gordon and Capella to package that for Jimmy Butler in some way, some form, was not going to make you a better team next season. And then secondly, adding somebody who's as combustible as Jimmy Butler to the Rockets is not a good idea whenever you have Chris Paul and James Harden in that locker room. And apparently that relationship has been a bit rocky as well. According to some scouts around the NBA, according to Tim McMahon of ESPN, uh, Jimmy Butler deciding to go to Miami over the Rockets. The Rockets dodged a bullet. They stole my words exactly. Uh, this is from a scout, Houston GM Daryl Morey's desire to add Butler to a dynamic roster that already has potential to be combustible puzzled some talent evaluators saying he's not exactly a calming influence, one source said of Jimmy Butler. I think the Rockets totally dodged a bullet, and as we talk on July 5th, is Kawhi Leonard and his selfish decision still not with a team in the NBA? I still think the Rockets are one of the top two teams in the Western Conference, and this run-it-back idea has the Rockets in a position to maybe go to their first NBA Finals since the mid-90s. Well, I'll say this. I definitely think that them trading away Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker or Capella to, to, to get Jimmy Butler, I don't think that was going to work out in the Rockets' favor. I think that I agree with a lot of your points about him being combustible and him not necessarily fitting in with this group because he really hasn't fit in with any groups. And so in, in this group of all groups, you don't think is the type of group that 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 he would fit in with because you got James Harden and Chris Paul that already have, you know, some their issues or whatever they have going on. They're, they're differing uh, ideas on how the game should be run and, and how the offense should be run. And you add Jimmy Butler into the mix, I think it just would make it worse. But at the same time, I don't think that the, the the Rockets are in the top two in the West at all. 
I think I think they could find their way into the top four if if Kawhi Leonard stays in Toronto. All but right, top put, two then. Who's your top two if you're going to say that? If the top two right now, uh, it was going to be the Lakers, the Lakers, the Warriors. It's going to be in between the Lakers, the Warriors, Utah, and Portland. I'm not sure those the Warriors. Are the four, those are the four teams that I think that are still uh, the teams to beat in in the West. I think, or not still, because Utah and Portland would be new. But I think yeah. I like the moves they made. They've gotten better, Utah, and Portland, I think I like Portland, the move. I like the move that Golden Portland. State did, where they they got D'Angelo Russell. I like the fact that they re-signed Kevon Looney. Yeah, Looney was the Capella killer. I just think that. I think that those teams. I, I watched what the Rockets did against the Warriors without KD, and it wasn't it wasn't a good look at all. And I, I think and I think that you're going to get MVP uh, Steph back this year because KD's not going to be there. Exactly. I think he's going to have a hell of a season, and he's going to win the MVP in the West, unless of course Kawhi comes to the West, and that changes up a lot of different things. I think that whoever the Lakers fill out the roster with between LeBron and AD, that team I think is going to be better than the Rockets. The Rockets are are getting older, man. Like at every spot, they're getting older. And so, yeah. I mean, I mean, running it back is cool if everybody's twenty six, but everybody's not twenty six, and so that to me, that 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 makes me, you know, not as confident in what the, the Rockets can do. I think they're going to end up being a five seed in the West. The thing is, Butler would have made the Rockets better. We know this because he's a good player, and they could use more good players. But what's the risk in that? The risk is that Butler ends up hating Harden or Harden ends up hating Butler or they all end up hating Chris Paul. And it feels like it is so tenuous in Houston anyway that, yeah, it was going to be an enormous risk to take it. Who knows? It might have blown up in their faces. Now, because the entire NBA landscape seems pretty evenly matched with no head-above-shoulders favorite in the West or the East, I think the Rockets actually have to feel kind of better about their chances, even if last year ended with such a thud. So just how wide open is the Eastern Conference? I mean, we see that the Milwaukee Bucks still have Giannis and the Sixers added Al Horford, but they also lost Jimmy Butler. The Nets won't have Kevin Durant until two seasons from now. And so the Celtics, the Pacers, who are we talking about? The Raptors without Kawhi? How wide open is the Eastern Conference? Here's a guy that's trying to build a winner in the East, Travis Schlenk, the GM of the Atlanta Hawks. On with John and Hugh, 92.9, the game in Atlanta. Travis, with Kawhi Leonard going to L.A., do you now look at the East and, and think this is a wide-open race? Well, I mean, we, we still have some good teams in the East, right? I mean, obviously Toronto took a hit losing Kawhi and, and Danny Green, but, uh, you know, Philadelphia retooled. You know, they went out this summer and you know, got Al Horford, you know, gave an extension to Simmons. So, you know, they're, they're obviously, they're going to be good. Uh, Milwaukee, uh, as, far as, as far as I know, they they still have Giannis, and that, that, that's a good thing. So, you know, there's good teams uh, still in the East. Uh, but, um, you know, Jimmy Butler goes to Miami. You know, they're, they're going to be good. Orlando, a playoff team from last year, they, they re-signed all their guys. So, it's going to be uh it's going to be a very competitive um eastern conference uh now does it have the star power that maybe the west has with all those guys that end up going out west uh maybe not but um you know there there's going to be a lot of good teams and you know you're going to have to show up every night to get wins right i mean it's like almost throw them in a hat and it'll be interesting to see what happens with Russell Westbrook going forward but yeah brooklyn's a year away because of kd and Indiana's got a team, and Kemba's in Boston, and you mentioned Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Toronto, and it's just going to be kind of a wide-open East, and uh, it'll be really an interesting year 
ahead. But of course, you're going to be playing in this with a, a very young and promising team too that'll that'll have an impact on the race, no doubt. I don't think. I mean, that's your intention, right, Travis? No, listen. You know, we're gonna we're gonna play our young guys like we did last year. Uh, uh, we we feel great about our young core. We we feel great about the three guys that we added in this year's draft, and you know, to give us depth. Um, you know, when you talk about Trey and Kevin and now DeAndre and Cam on the perimeter, you know, and then John and Bruno and Omari, we, we feel really good about those guys. You know, we, we've, we've made a couple of trades. Uh, obviously, you know, we feel really good about bringing Evan in and his ability to, you know, play backup facilitator. Um, you know, Alan Crabb, you know, have an ability to go out and bring him on the team, a 39% three-point shooter who's a very willing wing defender. Uh, you know, we, we, we feel good about where we are. And maybe one more veteran? Yeah, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're in talks. Hopefully we get that done today so I, so I can wrap it up for the summer. But we're in talks uh, with, with a couple guys. You know, as I, as I told you guys, we're, we're never first out of the gate, but there's always guys that fall through the cracks. And, you know, now, you know, those guys are just kind of coming to the reality that, um, you know, they didn't get maybe what they wanted when uh, July 1 started, but uh, we, we feel like that, you know, we had a couple a couple more spots to our roster and, and we're, we'll be ready to give it a run this year. Sounds good to me. I think that as wide open as things do feel throughout the entire NBA, the Bucks to me are still the favorites. That's who I would make the favorites to win the NBA championship. The Lakers haven't played together with their two most important players. Same with the Los Angeles Clippers. And in the East, the Sixers are kind of a Petri dish that we wait and we study and we wonder, is it going to work? But the Bucks, it did work. Best record of the NBA. And yes, they lost Malcolm Brogdon, but they bring back almost everybody to a team that was the number one seed in the Eastern Conference last year. If I'm trying to make any handicapping wagers on the season and there's a favor to be had, it's the Bucks, in my mind, who are the favorites. Finally, it's Major League Baseball All-Star break. Time tonight to the Home Run Derby. Tomorrow is the All-Star game. Kenny Lofton, a speedster, made six midsummer classics and played on those great Cleveland Indian teams of the 90s. But Lofton's game was speed, making contact, not striking out, stealing bases, all things that are essentially lost on today's Major League Baseball front. Here's Lofton with Carmen and Lima on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland, home of the All-Star Game. Does it look different to you? I mean, it looks different because it's all about home runs, you know, and as they think about home runs, they don't care about strikeouts. I want to see what this home run, you know, what this uh, All-Star going to do like it was last year. Last year, I felt it was the worst ever. Oh, it had 10 home runs. That's fine. But they had 25 strikeouts. And, you know, that's not fun to watch. You got guys, everyone in this game is starting to swing for the fences. That's the way this game has turned out to be. It's either home runs or strikeout, and they don't care one iota about on-base percentage. How would you have fit in to, to this version of baseball? Well, again, I mean, I have to fit in. If everybody's saying that you're going to get paid for hitting 20 home runs, if you're going to hit 20 home runs and make $17 million a year, I'm going to hit 20 home runs. <laughs> you know, so and they want me to strike out 200 times, and but then – that would be the excuse for me. They would throw the excuse at me. You know, we need you to get on base. No. Everyone else is getting paid to hit home runs, and they're getting paid. So don't use me as now you want me to get If you're going to pay me to get on base, $20 million? No, you're not. You're going to pay me to hit home runs. And that's what guys nowadays 
are going into these, you know, to the season saying how many home runs I can hit. If I can hit 20, I'm going to get 17 million. You know, if I hit 30, I'm going to get 20 million. I'm going to get 30, you know, 25 million. And that's how this game is being thought about right now. It's all about launch angle and see how far I can hit the ball at the ballpark. How, how would you fix Major League Baseball then? We have Rob Manfred coming on the station uh, this afternoon. Uh, well, how would you fix it? What would Can't you tell fix him? it because, again, you know, it's all about money. Can't fix it. Take the money away saying that you're going to pay guys for being, you know, speed series lead off like myself the same amount of money. It'll change. But until you change of who you're paying the amount of money, because everybody want to get paid a lot of money, mm-hmm. but from what they do. So, again, if I was in that era, in this era, I would say, you know what, you're not going to pay me to get on base. So why try to get on base, which you're not paying me for it? I'm going to hit a home run. I'm going to try to hit a home run like everybody else. You know what? You keep swinging for the fences. You know, they said so many home runs this year. If you swing for the fences seven out of ten times or more than that, there's a pretty chance you're going to get three or four home runs if you're swinging that much, like in batting practice. If you swing for try to hit batting practice home runs, you can hit them out the ballpark all you want because you are trying to. Your whole thing was getting a bat on the ball no matter what. Yeah. And, and that, you could slap it anywhere. Exactly. So you the, you you believe you could change? I, I just I find no, it amazing that a guy could do that. You could change launch angles. Because, boom! I could hit twenty home runs. Because you thought about it's all about again. It's all about making money. But so they don't. I don't think they care about winning as much. They care about putting money in their in their pocket. You know, just like PEDs. Uh-huh. Guys thinking about hitting balls at the ballpark. Hmm. They didn't care about. They didn't care about. You know, they care about how much money I make. Well, if I hit these many home runs, well, what's going to help me? He's going to help me hit these many home runs, and I'm going to make all this money. I'm going to make $250 million because I was able to hit home runs. You know, so, but yeah. I don't know if anybody ever bought a ticket saying, I need to go see Kenny Lofton today, but Lofton's game has been lost, and that's a shame because that's an exciting brand of baseball beyond just home runs and strikeouts. And don't get me wrong, home runs are great. They are probably the most exciting part of baseball, but the way that baseball has been morphed away from all those other exciting plays like stolen bases, like speed around the bases, like getting on base, like all types of contact hitting and creating runs and extending rallies, there's something lost there. And baseball would be well-suited to me to be able to find roles for guys like Kenny Lofton today because I don't know if there's many roster spots that there would have been for a guy of lofted stature and ability. And that's a shame. We'll see you tomorrow after the Home Run Derby. That's it. The best for Around Your Dial Monday, July the 8th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 